We're in a series we're calling Summer Shorts, and what I've committed to do the Sundays that I'm teaching is to take a look at something that Jesus gives us in his teachings. And so today we're going to take a look at a story where Jesus tells a story about a farmer, and we're going to, we're going to dive into it. And I've entitled the talk, Letting God Be God and Staying in My Lane. Because I think in all honesty, we struggle at times believing God really is in control. And so we feel like we have to jump in and help God. And what I want us to leave here today realizing is God is God. He's got this. He's not only got you and me, he's got this world. As out of control as it may be, he's got it. And he's asking us to stay in our lane. Because when we stay in our lane and we give God the opportunity to do what only God can do, that's when we see beautiful things happen. So let me read the story and then we're going to jump in. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemies came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmers, the farmers' workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Shall we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the weed if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. So before we jump into the story and unpack the story, I want to start at the back end of that title, Staying in My Lane. What is it that Jesus has given us to do as followers of Jesus Christ? Now listen, if you're here at Bethel for any period of time, the stuff that I'm going to share at the front end of this talk is going to be nothing new. But it's one of those things where if you've had kids or you had nieces and nephews, when they're younger, you, you end up reinforcing some, some things over and over and over again, right? Obey, respect, honor, right? Integrity, certain things you just keep sort of beating that drum over and over. Why? That sets the foundation for everything else the kids are going to do in life. Well, you know what? The stuff we're going to look at today where Jesus says, hey, Rob, hey, yo, Bethel, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, Bethel. I know things seem like they're out of control in Philly. I know things seem like they're out of control in this world at times, in this country. But Jesus is saying, stay in your lane, Bethel. God's got this. He's given us a task to do. And as we do what we are asked to do, God's going to do beautiful things. So let's let him work as we stay in our lane. So, hey Jesus, what's the most important command someone asked one day as he was teaching? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Just think about that. As familiar as you are with those words, Jesus says, take all of the Bible, all of the stuff that Christians or churches or whoever is fighting for today, we got to make this nation what it was in the past year, over and over and over and over again. We, gotta, we, we have to outlaw this. We have to do away with this. Think about everything that's going on in the world. And Jesus simply says, 
the most important command. You love God, you love your neighbors yourself. And if you think you're accomplishing anything for God, and it's not done in love, you've done nothing. Not my words, Jesus. See, last week I talked about, are we following Jesus, or are we following someone else's idea of Jesus? Jesus makes it simple. Hey, Bethel, what's it look like to stay in our lane? As out of control as things seem. Love God. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Love. What's the one thing Jesus prayed for that the Bible records for us? A lot of you know the answer. It's unity. Jesus was in the garden praying before the crucifixion. John records that he said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through the message. That's us today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're here today, Jesus was praying for you that night in the garden. And what's the one thing the Bible records that he prayed for us? I pray that they'll be one, just as you and I are one, so the world will believe you sent me. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, so the world will believe you sent me. I pray that they'll all be one. All of us will be one. All of us as followers of Jesus Christ will be one. Democrats, Republicans, independents, conservatives, liberals, libertarians, every race, every tongue. Jesus is saying, hey, be one. Be one. Don't let politics divide you. Don't let COVID divide you. Don't let neighborhoods or zip codes divide you. Why are we so divided today as Christians? When Jesus is saying, yo, Bethel, stay in your lane. Choose unity. Don't let the enemy divide you. Why does the enemy want to divide I pray that they'll all be one, just as you and I are one, so the world will believe you sent me. You've probably seen the same articles, polls. The trend line for people interested in church, is it going up or down? Down. From my experience, I have never experienced a time in my life when the church, Big C Church, has been so divided. It is not a coincidence that in a day and age where people who call themselves followers of Jesus, people who wear the cross of Christ to identify themselves as I'm following Jesus, they're sniping at each other. They're ripping each other. And we wonder why people aren't interested. Jesus said, hey, the reason you choose unity is because unity in the midst of all the diversity, when people who are so different choose to be unified in Christ, the world takes notice. Hey, Bethel, you want to stay in your lane as everything around us gets darker as everything around us starts to feel like it's going out of control, love God, 
Love your neighbors yourself. Choose unity. What's the job Jesus left us with? Well, before he ascended to heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Of all the commands that he gave us, which is the most important? Love God. Love your neighbors yourself. See, so on a regular basis, we see people give their lives to Christ here. We're supposed to be training them. We're supposed to be growing them up in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, hey, teach them the commands. And of all the commands, the most important command Jesus said is what? Love God, love your neighbors yourself. If you're fighting for something that you think is righteous and you're not doing it in love, it doesn't count. If you're fighting for something that's holy and you're not doing it in love or you're not doing it in unity, it doesn't count. The picture that I use for go into the world and make disciples is the picture I used last week when I was sharing the story about Matthew, Levi. He was called and the parties that he would throw. And he threw parties for people that the church would not allow in their building to worship. Just think about that. The people Jesus was partying with at Matthew's house were not righteous enough to be allowed into the temple to worship. So instead of being at the temple on a day when people were fasting, where's Jesus? At Matthew's house, partying with sinners. And again, last week, when we think of partying, woo, party! Jesus was holy and sinless. Bible says drunkenness is a sin. Bible says gluttony is a sin. Bible says a whole host of other stuff is sinful. Jesus is able to love passionately the lost and to be with them and not sin. Hey, Bethel, as things seemingly are out of control all around us. Listen, I, 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 love, I love the city of Philadelphia. Born and raised in it my entire life, I, I've been in this region. Same with my wife. Let's be honest, our, our city's got issues. We have problems. We have major problems. This region, major problems. Our country, major problems. This world, major problems. What Jesus is trying to remind us is that no matter where you are in life, no matter what the calling on your life is, no matter what the opportunity God's given you to affect change for the good, you have to do it in love. Love God. Love your neighbors yourself. You have to be unified with the body of Jesus Christ. And you have to have a passionate love for the lost. And here's the story. So that's, that's the backdrop. So there's a farmer who plants wheat. The enemy comes in and plants weeds. And what they realize is 
that if they're going to start to take the weeds out, the danger is that you're going to start pulling the weed out with it. See, the story explains what the kingdom of God really is as, to, as opposed to what we want it to be. And that's the rub. See, when I say, let God be God, and we stay in our lane, a lot of us today, us, when I talk about the body of Jesus Christ around the world, we've become impatient with the pace of change in this world, and we've decided we have to do something about it. And come hell or high water, we're going to bring about the change that we believe in. And it doesn't matter who we offend, it doesn't matter who we run over, we're going to make sure that we bring the change that we know should be. That is not the kingdom of God. Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. The Apostle Paul says we're citizens of heaven. In this church, we have citizens or people who have citizenship in many different countries. Paul says, as a follower of Jesus Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. It supersedes any nation that you have loyalty to. Our loyalty is to Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is sharing with us here is, this is how the kingdom of God works, and it's going to rub up against what a lot of us want it to be or hope it would be. Yeah, but Pastor Rob, society's getting darker and darker. We need to do something. We need to do something. All that loving God and loving neighbor stuff and unity stuff, that's great for the church. Do you see what's going on out there? We got to do something. When's God going to do something about it? You know what God's asking us to do? Love God. Love our neighbors as ourselves. Choose unity as a church, as a body of believers, and have a passionate love for the lost. And as we stay in our lane and honor God in these ways, we're giving God an opportunity to work as only he can do. See, a little bit later, the disciples asked Jesus, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. What I love is when Jesus gives a parable and then he's asked for the meaning because we don't, have to, we don't have to say, well, we think this is what it means. Jesus is going to show us. And here's what we need to know. This whole wheat and tares or wheat and weeds thing, the wheat is the good stuff, right? And so people would plant wheat. And there was actually a law back in Roman day that would punish people who would basically lace someone's field with the weed seeds, and it was done as a, as a form of revenge. And so you see how similar the two look. The wheat and the, and, and the weed itself are very similar. And at maturity, they're still very similar. And so you can go through your field and try to yank all the weeds out. But the reality is that the root system of the weeds was much hardier than that of the wheat. And so as you yank out the weed... Oftentimes, the root system would be enmeshed with the wheat roots, and you would yank everything up. Which is why in a story, Jesus says, the farmer says, no, 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 you leave it there. Leave it there. 
We're going to let the weeds and the wheat grow up side by side in the field. And we're going to let it go to harvest. See, Jesus explains the story. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. Jesus is the son of man in the Bible. It's a title that he has. So Jesus is saying, I'm the one who plants the good seed. And here's what I want you to realize. You know how the book of Esther, Naaman says to Esther that God's put you here for such a time as this? Hey, Bethel, God's put us here for such a time as this. You think things are berserk now? The political circus is coming to town. You know it and I know it. What are we going to do? Are we going to love God and love our neighbors? Are we, as followers of Jesus Christ, going to choose unity in spite of political differences? Are we going to continue to have a passionate love for lost people? Because Jesus is saying, you've been planted where you are. As dysfunctional as your family is, as bad as your neighborhood is, as out of whack as your job or your school situation is, Jesus planted you there. The field is the world. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom. For God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. God's planting his followers all around the world. And he's asking us to be the salt and the light. What does that look like? Love God, love your neighbor. Choose unity in spite of our differences and have a passionate love for the lost. That's what he's asking us to do. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Listen, the devil is real. He's real. He's opposing the work of God in the world. He's opposing the work of God in your life. There is a spiritual enemy, Jesus tells us. He's real. There's spiritual warfare. That's why it's so crucial that as all of this is going on around us, we submit to the king of kings. We submit to the one who has already defeated the darkness, who's defeated the enemy. And as we show our humility and our reverence in saying to God, Woo, things are seemingly out of control down here. But instead of going ballistic, I want to love my neighbor the way I love myself. I'm not going to divide from people at Bethel who are voting differently than me or who have different bumper stickers on my car than I do or who post different stuff on social media because Jesus is more important. And I'm going to choose unity. And I will continue to have a passionate love for lost people. In spite of who they are, who they hang with, who they vote for, what they look like. That's how we defeat the enemy. The harvest is the end of the world. The harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels. And what's the next word? They. 
will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin, all who do evil. Judgment is coming. God will ultimately set everything right. There is a day when all of us will truly receive the judgment or the rewards. If you're in Christ, the Bible says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But those who are not in Christ are going to receive the judgment of God upon them. It's coming one day. But it's not up to us to bring it. It's not up to us to decide what needs to be done here. And we're just going to run roughshod over people. If we're not doing it in love, it doesn't count. So Jesus is saying, love God, love your neighbor, choose unity, have a passionate love for lost people. And realize the day is coming when God's going to set everything right. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. And any, Jesus ends with this statement, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I was not a great student in school, so every time a prof in college would say, this is going to be on a test, Woo, I highlighted it, put all sorts of symbols around it, knew I had to have that. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. This is on a test. You want to know what God's will for your life is? I'll tell you. Love God, love your neighbor. Choose unity with other followers of Jesus Christ. Have a passionate love for lost people. There it is. Yeah, but Pastor Rob, what specifically does God want me to do? As you're busy loving God and loving your neighbor, as you're busy being unified with the body of Jesus Christ that's different than you, and as you're busy passionately loving the lost, not condemning them, loving them, I promise you God's going to lead you exactly where he wants you to be. That's how it works. And that's how God brings about change in the world. It's his way. It's not the world's way. Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. Don't operate the way the world does it. We have a savior who conquered, who is victorious. Do it his way. Love God. Love your neighbor. Choose unity with believers who are different. Have a passionate love for the lost. Watch what God will do as we do that. Listen, as, as I close, recently someone said to me, hey, Pastor Rob, I want you to know that I invited several of my friends to your church. And I said, well, thanks. And I'm thinking in my mind, you don't go to my church. And then she said, I know I don't go to your church, but your church does a much better job welcoming the really unchurched, so I figured I'd send them to your church. I, I'm not exaggerating. And listen, I hear that on a, I hear that more often than you realize. And Bethel, in all honesty, I don't care how, how big we get as a church. I don't care how many services we have. I don't care how many campuses we have. I don't care how cool or hip people think we are. If people in this region say, Bethel is a place that passionately loves the lost, and I could send really unchurched people there because they're going to be loved and welcomed and introduced to Jesus, that's good. That's good. Hey, let's stand. Stand with me, please. We're going to pray.
Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your clear instructions. Love God. Love our neighbors. Choose unity. Have a passionate love for the lost. Help us, Lord, as a church to be known by this. Help us as individuals to be known by this. Lord, the world is a scary place. It needs help. So, Lord, as you give us opportunities to instill change, help us to do it in love. Help us to do it in humility. Help us to work with you, Lord, not run ahead of you. I will give you all the glory. And everyone agree with this prayer and said, Amen. Amen.